morning. <laughs> Multitasking today, different things. <laughs> uh, so I just uh, wanted just to thank the pastors for giving us the opportunity as the uh, the pastoral team to just to have the chance to uh, speak the, the word of God today. And um, But before we get into the sermon, I just want to take a moment to pray. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your presence this morning. We want to thank you, God, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and that you are the head of this church. And so I ask, oh God, that you would just illuminate our hearts, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our hearts to understand what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name. For those who don't know me, my name is Erica Lavalli, and I'm part of the uh, pastoral team here at Living Hope. And so, uh, like I said, we, we have the wonderful opportunity, or privilege, I should say, of uh, just taking turns to speak God's word. And so um, today I just wanted to speak on this subject called New Seasons of Growth. And so over the last uh, few months, uh, for those who were not here, we've had a challenge, uh, the 100-day challenge. God has been challenging us to really commit ourselves to his word, commit ourselves to our growth or spiritual growth. And we have seen many in this congregation make strides. But I wanted to address something today that we encounter in those strides of growth. And so before I, you know, approach the subject, I wanted just to relate a story just that I find might be helpful to understand. So when I was 18 years old, um, I had never been on a roller coaster in my life. And so I think I might have told this story before. And so I went to this wonderful place called La Ronde in Montreal. And, uh, and I decided to, I had never been on any roller coasters, no rides. So I decided to go on this one. <laughs> that was my first one. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm feeling pretty brave, but I was pretty scared. And I remember as they locked the mechanisms, uh, that was holding us down on our seat, the guy next to me started crying because he wanted to get off, but it was too late. And I'm like, what is he crying about? Like, what's the big deal, right? And so and as the roller coaster started to climb higher and higher, as you can see that like peak over there, uh, and then it started going down very fast. <laughs> and in those, it might have felt like minutes, but it might have been like two seconds. For that moment, I felt, I'm going to die, and I can't get off of this thing. But followed after that was a sensation of exhilaration and excitement. So it was just a momentary kind of like doom that I was feeling at that moment. And I thought like, like that was the end of it for me. And uh, But I really enjoyed that day. But it, it was it, I first encountered that moment of dread and that moment of fear and that moment, uh, it seemed like, you know, of doom that I was experiencing. And so, and as we've been, you know, growing in the Lord, there's moments where we're going to hit this wall of difficulty in our, in our growth with the Lord. And so I wanted to show a little uh, diagram or, and this is a, a, to the next slide, this is a little diagram that's used in the, one of the discipleship tools that we use just to explain what the normal Christian life looks like. And it's, it's this DTI or Discipleship Training International, they use this illustration and I really like it. So if you can see on this slide that you have, this is the pathway to the normal Christian life. The green line represents what it should actually look like. Now, 
you know, you have that first red circle. That's, you know, that moment of salvation. We come to a crossroads in our life where we make a decision to accept Jesus' forgiveness and his lordship over our life. That's our first step. But that's just the first step. Now, we can choose from that moment on to experience a life of no victory and, you know, just survive until heaven, (laughs) basically. Or we can experience what normal spiritual maturity and growth should look like. Now, if you can see that in this diagram, there are dips. So, you know, next circle. So even in our, when we accept Jesus, it's not, it doesn't delete all of our thought patterns, all of our habits, all of of everything. That's a progression as we grow in Christ. And every time that we hit those dips, it means that we're coming at a crossroads where God is trying to address one of those thoughts, those habits, those things in our lives that cause us harm because we, we are, we were born in a sinful world and we've experienced sin. And by virtue of that, it has created patterns in our lives. And I want you to understand that before transformation, there is often a wall that we hit. And if we don't recognize or even expect this as a normal part of our spiritual growth, we can become discouraged and disheartened and sometimes even give up. And so I think that some of you guys have, you know, you're, you're like you're chugging along and we're doing good. We're, we're connecting with the word. We're hearing God's voice. And then all of a sudden, it, we seem to hit this wall and it, there seems to be silence. Or it seems like we've, it feels like we've kind of gone backwards instead of forwards. Or we're str- we, we have these struggles and we feel like we're running away from God rather than to God. I know that I'm not the only one who's experienced that in my growth because that's the normal process. Now, at that junction... We can choose to give up and continue to walk as we, you know, used to before, or we can push forward. But we have to recognize this as normal. God isn't angry. He's not upset. He's not disappointed. He expects this to happen because that's part of the normal growth process. See, Jesus has given us everything that we need for for godliness, but we have to walk into that and that takes uh, it takes those moments it takes those crossroads that we're going to experience. So we're all going to face circumstances, and often God will use difficult circumstances in our lives, difficult people, or sometimes just this this dryness or this apathy, and we don't know what's going what's going on. And there's. There's times where we will start using old coping mechanisms. And when we start using old coping mechanisms, you know, whether it's binge watching TV or, uh, you know, whatever distraction that we're trying to find because there's something inward that is troubled, that should not be used as a condemnation, but it should be used as a, as a red flag that something inward needs to be addressed, needs to be confronted and that God wants to address that. He wants to confront that in your life. We see in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. 
So we go through different seasons in our relationship with God, right? So there's that moment of salvation. We discover God's love. It's very exciting. And then we start serving God. So we can do a lot of the outward things. We're coming to church. We might be serving in different ministries. Those are the outward things. But then God says, okay, now you're ready for the next season. See, God doesn't want just your service. He doesn't want just the outward appearance. He wants inward transformation because that is what brings him the most glory. That's what shows the world because many people can do many good things. But that isn't what God brings God glory. It's the inward change and transformation. And from that inward change and transformation, that means he has greater access to your life. He has greater access to work in and through you. Because God wants to work in and through you. He doesn't want just you to give you a command so you can work for him. He wants to work through you. But in order to work through you, he has to have access to your life. And those are those crosswords, roads, not crosswords, crossroads. <laughs> We're not doing puzzles today. Um, he really wants to have greater access. And those crossroads are really areas of our lives where Jesus does not have access to you. You've not given access to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he cannot enact through you. And that's why he says, because, you know, it, it seems kind of contradictory in the scripture. He says, continue to work out your salvation and then for fear and trembling, if it says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. So why would he say that? Well, you work and then God works. Okay, well, who's doing the work? Well, it's because there's two different things. Our work is really to wrestle with God on and to allow him to, uh, to expose, to search our hearts as David prayed and many in the Jeremiah prayed, uh, the prophets prayed, God, search me and know me. Know what's not right inside of me and then bring it to the light. God already knows those things, but he needs to bring them to our attention so that we see the need for, for them to be addressed. And so that's why God's not scared when he sees you struggling. He's not worried. He's not concerned. But his heart is for your growth. His heart is for you to overcome. But when we're faced with that difficulty, sometimes we might think that it's not normal, but it is normal to face those walls, to face that moment where you're like, okay, well, everything that I used to do, all my spiritual disciplines, it seemed like I was, as long as I did those spiritual, spiritual disciplines, I was okay. And God says, yes, you do need those spiritual disciplines, but I want to bring you deeper still where you can't keep doing life the same way you used to be doing it. So in this one area of your life, it is not surrendered. He says, I want you to start doing life differently in this part of your heart. Over the last two years, you know, I've seen God just, you know, there was my big moment of, you know, surrender, but then God has been addressing other areas of my life. You know, during COVID, let me tell you, he dealt with a lot of my fears. I had a lot of anxiety. I was very intimidated or fearful. And God started addressing that aspect of my life. But I needed to come face to face with it. Another thing that he needed to address in my life that needed to come to the surface was my, my fear of doing one-to-one -one with people. I'm like good in front of a crowd. I'm like, yes, you know, I like the attention. One-on-one, -on -one, I'm like mortified, you know, I'm like, I'm not saying the right thing, you know, and, but God 
he has put a call upon my life. He's put a call upon your life, but there's things that are hindering that freedom of walking in that call in walking in all that God created you to be and experience the exhilaration of walking in his will for your life. And so in this aspect, he needed to bring to the surface all the faulty beliefs that I had and in order for me to walk in greater freedom. But see, I'm not the only one who was benefiting from that. Others will by virtue of it. Other people, God wants your life to bring benefit to others. And in order to do so, he's got to address. He's got to go dig in. And that's uncomfortable. And that's where we can feel like we're hitting that wall. Because God says, there's something else that I've got for you. There's something deeper. There's something greater. There's something more exciting. You might feel mortified in that moment, as I was with doing one-on-one with people or dealing with different regulations and responsibilities. But once I started stepping in the will of God and dealing and addressing the darkness that was within, then I started experiencing freedom and excitement and joy and peace and his presence in ways that I would have never experienced had I not said, yes, Lord, I'll do it your way rather than mine. And we see that, you know, there's, we're not the only ones who have gone that. We see different Bible characters who, or, you know, people in the Bible who experienced this as well. We see the example of Peter. You know, Peter had a view of himself. You know, he says like, no, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'm the most loyal guy ever. And Jesus says, well, he says, you're going to deny me before the crow, before the the rooster crows uh, three times. And then when he comes face to face with the reality, he's undone. But what does he do with that sensation of being undone? That's that wall he hit. Oh, wait, what I thought I was, I'm not. This isn't my reality. I've been living with this false perception of myself, this false perception of God. What do I do with that? So you have two people. You have Peter, Peter, goes back to God and he repents and seeks God's heart. And then you have Judas who comes to that same conclusion that he had failed. He's not the guy who he thought he was, but then ends his life, could not bear it. So he didn't go to God's mercy and God's grace. See, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to come to his mercy and his grace when you hit that wall, when you feel like you're not going forward in your relationship with God any longer, you kind of like, it seems like you're, I feel like I'm going behind, you know, backwards instead of forwards. That's what working out your salvation means. It doesn't mean that you get more saved. You have a salvation, but you need to figure it out, what you've got. And God wants to show you what you've got in in him. And Jesus is our example as well. You know, he uh, he was without sin, and yet he was called to walk in greater calling in his life. So Jesus only started ministry at the age of 30. So he's a late bloomer. <laughs> but, see, he wasn't without sin, but he, as he started walking in this, he also had to be confronted with different things. And so it, you might say, okay, well, Jesus had to, you know, be confronted. Well, Jesus went through... Uh, the desert and he fasted 40 days and he was tempted and other versions uh, the Greek will say also that the word tempted means tested so what he believed had to be tested and proved what we believe has to be tested and proved to because it has to go from here knowledge to 
a heartfelt view. We know it from the deepest part of our hearts. It's one thing to have intellectual knowledge, but that intellectual knowledge, as Peter had that intellectual knowledge of who Jesus was, he had that he had that perception of who Jesus was. But it's really once he started to really know from the deepest part of his heart who Jesus was that. Peter, and we know it with Peter that he was willing to be crucified upside down on a cross in the end because he knew and he understood who his Lord was. It gave him the courage to stand and in the midst of the threats for his life. See, God wants to give you strength. He wants to give you courage. He wants to enable you to stand strong on the rock that he is. And But he needs to address the very fundamental things that we believe about ourselves and about God. He needs to work those things out so that you know for sure the truth. You don't just intellectually know it. You experience the truth as well. And so we see with Jesus, he chooses to be baptized by John the Baptist and John's like, I, I don't know why you're asking me to baptize you. You should be the one baptizing me. Like, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, no, I, I, we need to do this. It's important that we do so that because Jesus was going to experience, he wanted to relate to us in every way. And so, you know, in, uh, I think it's in, I don't know if I wrote the scripture here. Oh, yes, Hebrews, I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit ahead of myself here. But in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. So Jesus had to be tempted because he wanted, he wanted to relate to us and he wanted to walk that very same example as well. And so God has to bring uh, awareness because we're very, very few of us, very not very self-aware. We have a lot of blind spots. We can't see you know, what's inside of our own hearts. And we see this also in Proverbs 16, 2. And we see it in Psalm 44, 21. He says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Psalm 44, 21 says, Would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? So God knows the very deepest parts of your heart. Sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, well, I know what my problem is. Well, your creator knows you better than you do. And so humility says, God, I don't know, but you do. And submission says, God, I'm going to trust you to show me what it is that the issues are. And because you're the one who leads me out of darkness into the light. And so we have so many beliefs and attitudes that hinder us in our relationship with God and others. And God wants to call us into deeper relationship and trust him. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles or your mobile devices, I'm going to invite you to go to Matthew chapter 4 with me. (laughs) 
So there's three main areas of testing that Jesus goes through. So the devil comes and he tests Jesus' beliefs in three ways. There's three things that he tests. He says, so the first one is, um, so, so there's God's provision. There's our safety in God, and then there's our worth. So the main things that, we, that needs to be worked out in our salvation, do we believe that God will provide? Do we, do we believe that God keeps us safe? And do we believe that he will give us our worth, our significance? Because if we try to look for those things elsewhere, that's where we encounter difficulties. If we depend on things that are not dependable, things that change, things that, you know, come and go, then we're not standing strong. And so God wants us to have that capability of to stand strong. But in order for that to happen, we need to really recognize what is it that we believe about God. And those walls are there for that. For that. When we hit a wall, it's often that we're, we're going to come to terms with what we actually believe about God. But how will we ever know what we heartfelt view believe about God until it is confronted? And I know that in those seasons when I was, you know, afraid of, of you know, walking with people, my greatest fear is that, well, I can't, I won't be able to hear God. And it's like, and God's like, well, so like, I can't make myself heard by, by you. <laughs> like, so there was some fundamental things I believed about God and fundamental things I believed about myself that needed to readjust it to God's truth. And as I started learning to trust him, I started learning that he's trustable. I don't know if it's the more faith you have, the greater the faith will become. And, but that requires steps of obedience. And so I needed to experience the roller coaster to know that that harness was holding me <laughs> in place. And I needed to trust that, that roller coaster, right? I needed to trust the hands that built it, right? You're trusting the chair that's holding you sitting up right now. You can rest and relax because you know that it's holding you up. Well, how will you ever know if you don't sit down first, right? And so Jesus is asking you to take those steps of faith and to walk them out. And it doesn't have to look perfect. Like, let me tell you, I've fumbled and failed so many times. Well, I mean, for those of you whom I've walked with, you'll know that I've not done it perfectly. But as we walk in obedience and we work things out, it's messy, but God's okay with the mess. He just wants to see you go forward and grow. So the first, uh, the first temptation we'll read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3. It says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The enemy invites Jesus to find relief from the suffering of hunger through his own effort. That's one of the temptations that we encounter. And that's what, because we're so self-reliant. It's so much easier at times to rely on ourselves. And when we hit those walls, I'm going to get myself. While I put myself in this mess, I'm going to get myself out. That is one of the temptations that the enemy comes at us with. Who are you going to depend on? Are you going to depend on yourself? Or are you going to depend on God? It's Many of us have that. I will take care of myself mentality because no one else will take care of me. 
And this is a mentality that permeates many aspects of our lives, and we are often unaware of how profoundly it has had an impact on our daily living and how we relate to God. See, God's not going to impose his help on you, but if you don't accept his help, you'll never receive it. And you never experience the grace, the power, the strength, the peace, the joy that is in relying upon God. And when we face this wall in our growth, this is where the Holy Spirit can bring us awareness of this self-reliance. And at that moment, we are now at a crossroad. Do I continue to rely on myself or do I now learn to do things differently relying on God. That means I'm waiting upon him to lead and guide my life. That means I don't take a step until he leads in that step. We're so ready to go. Like, let's just get, let's gloss over this. You know, okay, well, let's just bulldoze our way through this difficulty. And God says, wait, I want to give you healing. I want to give you freedom, but I want you to wait upon me. Are you going to continue doing this the way that you've always been doing? Where has that brought you? What has it given you? And that's what the enemy, the enemy comes in, oh, well, yeah, you can do it yourself, you'll be okay. That's the lie that he comes at us with, and then we experience the destruction. The enemy is, the Satan is a liar. He promises goodness and provision and safety, but all it brings in return is destruction and death. Loneliness You know, it was easier for me to keep people at bay because I felt safer that way. But all this time, I was so lonely. What the enemy promised, it never delivered. Because guess what? I would still be hurt anyway. Even though I was trying to keep people away. Even though I didn't want to get involved with people. Because I felt safer. Well, I'm not going to mess them up that way, you know? Like, if I don't say anything, then, you know? But... It kept me not walking in God's calling. It kept me from really experiencing God's fullness and his healing through all of that. God wanted to bring healing to others, but he wants to bring healing to my life as well. God wants to bring healing to your life, but walking in obedience will do that. When we say, okay, God, why am I having a hard time doing this? Show me why. And as he starts showing you why, and then he's, he starts dealing with the darkness, dealing with those, uh, those things that keep you from moving forward, those walls that are there. And we all have those walls. We keep God, you know, in one aspect of our hearts. So, you know, like, God, you can have access to here. He says, I want to have access everywhere. And so that's the first temptation. So we're, and you know what? We're so afraid that God will fail us that we don't want to live with the disappointment. That's sometimes why we start relying on ourselves. We've been disappointed. We've been let down. We've been abandoned. And so God's saying, I want you, I want to bring healing to that aspect of your life. But in order for me to bring healing, that means you're going to start trusting me. You make that choice. And those are emotional injuries that God wants to bring healing. You know what? We live in a sinful world, so we've experienced the injuries of others. And God wants to set us free. He wants to heal us. The second test, and we see that in Matthew 4, verses 5 to 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple 
He says, if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. You know what's really interesting about this passage is that here the devil quotes Psalm 91, 11 to 12, but he leaves one part of the scripture out. And the part of that scripture, it says in verse 11, it says, For he will command his angels in regards to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. That's that other part of the scripture. And this is the amplified, by the way, to really give us the full portrait of that scripture. He leaves the, the most important part out. He says, for he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend you and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. The essence of this scripture is about trusting God to help you obey and serve him. Dependence on his timing, his wisdom, and care for your well-being and for his will. And Satan takes that scripture to say, use God for your own preservation in your own timing and the way you want. He says, Jesus, now you throw yourself out and you tell God to save you. The arrogance of all of that. It's like, well, we're going to tell God how to do things. You know, and Jesus answers, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And as we commit ourselves to getting closer to God, we will be made aware as to how we truly relate to him. And do we want the gifts or the gift giver? So what he's saying, he says, use God as your, as your um, money machine, your promise machine, your blessing machine. God, and it objectifies God. It makes God an object and not a person. And for so many of us, you know, there are not, maybe not in all areas of our spiritual walk, but there are spirit, places in our spiritual walk where we've made God an object rather than who he is, God himself, a person. And so that's the invitation. The temptation is just to use God, to latch God on to our daily walk as, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to have faith in God. He's the blessing giver. He's the promise giver. But I'm not, my life is not for him. My life is not in relationship to him. I'm not going to recognize who he is in all of his glory and his holiness and his righteousness and his power. The creator of the universe, the one who holds all of us together, who wants to have relationship with you. But he wants you to recognize who his true character and nature is. And when we sing of his glory, we sing of his holiness. That's the God whom we sing about and we sing to as well. We, we were made to worship God. And when we operate in, the, in what we were created to be, then we experience the peace, the joy, the exhilaration of serving God. Because now it is in relationship to him. In all aspects of life, are we aware that he is God and we are not the ones to tell him how and when to act? Are we telling God what to do or is God telling us what to do? Who is it that knows better, us or God? Who has more wisdom, us or God? And yet, in all aspects of our life, he wants to reveal that to him, to, to us. He, you know, those, you know, all my finances. Well, I know better with my finances, with 
my relationship with my children. Well, I know better what they need. And God says, have you even come to see me about this? Don't you know that I have all of resources of heaven to help you to walk in relationship with them, to experience healed relationships, healthy relationships? That's what God wants to give us. And this third test is really, you know, finding our significance somewhere else but in God. Because, you know, as we've grown up, we've learned to cope and find our worth and our significance. Sin breaks that self-confidence. Sin breaks that perception of who we are. And so we try different ways of compensating for that. And we can look elsewhere to find that, that confidence. So in Matthew 4, verses 8 to 10, he says, Again, the devil took him to a high, place, a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, All this I give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus knew that in order to bring salvation to the world and for him to... Uh, to you know, to have lordship over all of that, he would have to suffer on the cross. What the enemy was offering him says, "How about you get all that you you should be having without the suffering?" You know, finding out who we are, it comes through sometimes pain. It comes through the painful, grueling process of being honest with God, walking out of denial, and being transparent before Him, allowing Him to search us deep and bringing things, the ugliness, to the surface. And I think that some of you guys have experienced that as you've been walking with God, you've been really taking that time to commit yourself to his word. His word has been bringing things to the surface, and it's not pretty. It's not fun. The things that you thought that were dealt with in the past, they seem to just kind of come right back to the surface, and you're like, whoa, where did you come from? You know, I thought I had dealt with all this. And God says, no, I, deeper still, I want, to, I want to deal with that. Deeper still, I want to bring healing. Deeper still, I want to bring deliverance. Deeper still, I want to bring freedom to your life. And so God wants to do that inner work, but the temptation is to not go through the suffering. Oh, it's easier if I just put this aside. You know, we've been doing this book, you know, Good, uh, good Boundaries and Goodbyes. You know, it's, some of those questions have been difficult. Some of that listening to that, you know, what God's perspective on boundaries is, has been really exposing things in some of our hearts. And some of us, as we're reading the word, it's bringing things to the surface and it's uncomfortable, but it is for our good. God has your good at heart. In order to bring greater healing, he has to bring some pain at times. Because there's infection there. There's spiritual infection that needs cleaning and healing. And so in this temptation, the enemy suggests that there's another way of walking in the call of God that does not implicate suffering. And let me tell you, I'll be honest, walking in God's call often comes with suffering. But it's suffering that brings greater glory. It's suffering that brings greater results than just staying in the status quo. And he says, I know you care about humanity, but you don't have to suffer to see them saved. There's another way. And Satan will offer you a shortcut that comes with more pain. It might be temporary relief, but it will bring more pain. It will bring more destruction. It does not feel good to be in the hot seat as God does his work uh, in you to 
be able to work through you, but that is his way. And Jesus answers Satan, get out of here. God's voice and his opinion is the only one that matters. And he is the only one that I will follow, even if that means there will be suffering. Whose voice matters the most in that time? And I know, I know, I think that that's what we have to face is that we're, and to be real with, is that those walls, you're going to have them. And that's normal and it's okay to suffer. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay that you're going through right now because it will get better. As you surrender, as you let God examine and and probe and bring things to the surface and address the issues, staying still is very uncomfortable, but it is normal process of growth. And I think that that's what I want to speak to you guys this morning is just to reassure you that whatever struggle you're going through right now, you're going to be okay. It is a normal part of the process. But if we're not willing to walk in that, then we can forfeit and we can just kind of survive our way to heaven. But God wants so much more for your life. He wants you to benefit of who he is, his his character and his nature, that is what brings life to us. And but not only just to us, but to those around us. You know, so many of us, you know, we have we have issues with people. And we get hurt and we get offended by people. And there are many times where we're getting offended and hurt because we are not self-aware of the things that we're doing. You know, well, I just said, or I just did, and they responded that way. But do you know that the just thing is something serious? How will we ever be aware if we're not willing to let God show it to us? A lot of our hardships we bring to ourselves. And we don't even see it. We don't recognize it. Why? Because we're human. And God, out of his goodness and his gracious, he, graciousness, he wants to shine his light to help you so that your relationships can become healthy and well again. You know, there's people that we fight with or that we've conflicts with, and there's some of the things that's their yard, but there's things that is our yard, and we've never addressed it. Sometimes we feel like we're the victim, and... You know, as we let God expose everything, we realize that we're not. We're not who we think we are. But let me tell you, yes, the uglies come out. But let me reassure you, God, out of his love, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at with disappointment at those things. He doesn't look at with disgust at those things. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you as righteous and as holy. And you're like, Erica, how can those two things exist? Well, Jesus has done that work. We are crucified and resurrected with Christ. We are a new creation in Jesus. And so God wants you to start walking as that new creation, but he has got to address the uglies. He doesn't want just to give you forgiveness of sins. He wants to give you deliverance from sin. But that requires the discomfort that you're experiencing right now. Let me tell you, the other side of that wall is victory. 
let me tell you that the other side of that wall is a hallelujah moment. The other side of that wall is finding the things that your heart has actually longed for. You know, that closeness with God, that closeness with others. That is what our hearts long for. The contentment, the peace, the joy. There is something about Let me tell you, walking on the other side of that wall, the things that were so devastating to us are just a passing moment. And God wants to give you greater glory. Let me tell you one thing. If God cares about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he cares about you. And he wants to take care of those needs, those things, that that thing that that person told you that really hurt you, God sees it. That stressor that you're feeling in this moment that you feel like you have no control over, God sees it. And he wants to give you peace in that struggle. So today I want you to be aware that this inner testing is normal. You're going to experience seasons of dryness. It's not if, it's when. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We're going to get through it. We're going to experience you know, the ups and downs. But God's goal is for your life to go from this (laughs) to this. (laughs) Because that's what happens as we start trusting God more and more. And so walking in the call of God requires his power. It requires us drawing from him rather than ourselves. But we're so trained in life to do the opposite that God has to do that transformative work in us of confronting those aspects of your life. Some things in your life, they need addressing. They need confrontation, and that's okay. But that wall you're facing in your walk, it's a place of wrestling. We're going to wrestle through it. It's a place of realness. That means we walk out of denial. We stop saying everything is okay. You know, when we're we're wanting to check out something's wrong, let's address it. Stop running. And it is a place of, of pain. It's painful to go through this wall. Not because of the things on the outside, but because of what's on the inside. And as the Holy Spirit enables you to become more self-aware of these issues in your life, and then they are addressed with God's truth, you'll see greater victory, greater freedom, greater peace, and greater joy. You know, we've been together developing these spiritual habits. And as we do, it gives opportunity to the Holy Spirit to develop that self-awareness of our darkness. And self-awareness helps us develop better relationships with God, with others, and ourselves. And we start growing in compassion. And we start seeing people less as objects or as problems or as oppositions or as the enemy. We start seeing them more as God sees them. You know, if you feel like you're judgmental a lot of the times, you want that to change like God changed you from the inside out. That's what he wants to do. And we cannot change if we don't accept reality, if we don't see the reality. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at the mirror goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks 
intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. So we're going to that word of God. We're not putting it, just reading it and putting it aside. God is calling you to put into practice. If God says something about who you are, then you walk in that. If God says that you're precious in his sight, you walk in that. If God says, I will be your defender and I will be for you and not against you, you walk in that. And then you will be blessed in all you do. That means that we're reading the word and applying it to our lives. And God has a call on your life, a call of holiness, a call of righteousness, freedom, and influence. He does not want you to merely survive. He wants you to thrive. And I want to finish with this scripture. and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Psalm 31, 19 says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. Fearing God means that we accept and recognize that he is greater than who we are. And we recognize that he's God, we're not. We respect his wisdom rather than our own. He says that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. God wants you to become your refuge in all things. You don't have to walk alone. You know, God is not angry with you today because you're experiencing a season of dryness or a wall in your life. He's not disappointed. It's actually his invitation to wrestle these things out and to really grow in your relationship. You know, Jacob wrestled with God and then he had a new name. He discovered who God was in his wrestling out with God. He physically wrestled with God. <laughs> he, didn't come, he didn't come out, you know, without <laughs> an injury in that, in that because God is God. But he discovered who God was for himself personally. You know, his grandfather was Abraham. Abraham discovered who, was, who God was. Isaac discovered who God was. And now you have Jacob. But Jacob needed who was going to become the father of the people of Israel, a nation a new nation. Now he needed to know who God was for himself. In order to live that call on his life, he needed to wrestle those things out with God. And God is not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of what you're thinking. He wants you to wrestle those things out with him. I know that some of you have the, a heavy heart today or you've just seemed to hit that wall. I want to invite you just to take, as we sing this next worship song, whether in your seat or at the altar, if you need someone to pray for you, there we have people who are here to pray for you today. But bring those things before God. Say, God, I've hit this wall. I feel like I've just been going backwards rather than forwards. But I know that you're not angry with me. I'm coming to you, Heavenly Father, today. God is waiting with open arms. And he wants to bring life to you today.